Iowa everywhere. Sage Rosenfels, Brent Bloom. Heard and, Heard and viewed exclusively across the world, only on Iowa Everywhere. What is up, guys? Welcome to a new podcast this week. This is the first time we've seen Sage Rosenfels and heard from him since before Christmas, I believe. I think so. It's yeah, been bad. It's been, like, it's been three or four weeks in a row I had Joe Mulvihill on. Yeah, uh, in sync. Um, the other night last week in Omaha, Nebraska, looking to see what's going on. And uh, Boys to Men, sure enough, is playing. Did you go gave, to that? Gave a text to Joe. Get two tickets right in the middle in the in the fifth row. You know, incredible. So, How was it? I have friends like, that went to that. It was. It's wonderful. Uh, if you're probably probably thirty five to fifty five. Somewhere in that mix. I mean, it's just all these like songs that you, for me, it was like middle school to high school, but definitely middle, like, you know, middle school dances at the community center was, it was boys to men, you know, these slow, uh, you know, where, where you dance and you put your hands on each other's waists and that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's sort yeah. of a, like no, a zombie. I, yeah. I'll make love to you. <laughs> yes, little, uh, yes. Down on bended knee. Um, Yes, it was. Uh, it, it was a great show. It was a. It's a neat old theater downtown Omaha, and it was packed. The place was full, and people were screaming, and they were throwing out roses and uh, tons of um, covers. They had a lot of covers, you know, like what? Eric Clapton, just songs they liked or songs that there was a song that supposedly they they turned down that turned into a number one country music, country song, like six months later or something, but uh, just, I don't know, they had about six various songs. Uh, it, it was a good show. You know, they, they, they've been doing it for 31 years, and sometimes it's a little faster, and sometimes it slows down, and sometimes you stand up, and sometimes they're like, go ahead and everybody sit down, and we're going to have, like, a conversation, and each guy gets to talk about their career or about how, the, how it's been doing it for all these years and the fans and the trips and telling stories. It's sort of like an evening more than just like a concert, which, uh, which is really enjoyable for, for us old folk. That's cool. Yeah. I had a couple of friends who went to it and they were like posting like Snapchats and stuff of it. And yeah, it, it's interesting that, and it really makes you feel old. I mean, they probably have like grandkids, right? No, no, I don't think so. I think those guys are probably, I don't know, they're 48 and 50 maybe. Oh, okay. You know? They're not that. They're, um, wow. Because I'm 30. I mean, I'm 44. Okay. I, I, that's a good question. I don't know but how But you're technical. Are. You're old enough to be a grandpa. Well, when, when I guess. I mean, <laughs> technically, a 32-year-old's old enough to be a grandpa, technically. This is true. Um, this is but, true. Um, yeah, I'm glad I'm not. I uh, hope, hope I'm not for for a while. So. For your sake, let's let's hope that as well. So you you were in Miami. What are you going to the Super Bowl? Doing any of that stuff? Coming? Might up? go to the Super. Yeah, I think I'm going to the Super Bowl. Uh, every year I go to Miami. Almost every year. Last two years, uh, parts of the Christmas break, I've gone down there. One first one was during COVID, and it was like, wait, where can we go where we can sit outside? get a lot of fresh air, get some sun. And, you know, his COVID, everyone was just like locked down. Um, so, you know, going to New York would be no fun or anything like that. Right. So of course, mm -hmm. Florida was quasi open at the time. And 
um, it was nice to be able to spend. I like I'm an outdoors person. Now we're getting to a different aspect of my life. I'm, I like the outdoors. If I could do like basically cook outdoors and hang out outdoors and have an outdoors or a living room with the TV, I'd rather be outdoors all the time than indoors. I just sort of who I sort of who I am. And so every year in the wintertime, as, as we all know, in the Midwest, it's it's hard to be outdoors. Um, you're you go from your house to your garage, to your car car into wherever you're going, park, walk into the restaurant or walk into a, a job or whatever is back to car, back to house. And you're never really outdoors. And if you are, you're like walking your dog and it's, you know, it's 25 and windy out. And so I really sort of for like my, to refill my tanks, I need to get outdoors and, and there's no better place in the United States, in my opinion, than going to Miami. Um, it's, it was 85 degrees one day. It was about 79 or 80. The other like four days I was there, um, humid, get a little sweaty. It, it, it just makes me feel good. You can run on the beach. Of course, just lay on the beach and people watch. I love the international yeah. vibe to it, right? Yeah, I get that. Uh, 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 you know, I did I did get to have some celebrity sightings. Or I should say celebrity celebrity sort of dinners and lunches, which was interesting. With who? Um, I had I had dinner with the Bachelor. That that's just a, the Bachelor host, which ba- Jesse, Jesse which, Palmer. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, got and it. his yeah. wife. Uh, we all went out to to dinner one night, and then um, Billy Corbin, that that documentary director, yeah. met him yeah. for yeah, lunch. Yeah, I'm on the podcast. Met for lunch. Yeah. We we had a three and a half hour lunch. At, it was called the Miami Yacht Club. I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I was like, man, am I have to, have to dress up for this thing? It was not. It was like, uh, you know, they pay $75 a month or something like that. And it was just like an easy go and, you know, get, get some cocktails and get some uh, quesadillas and, and, and hang out by the water. It was we had a lot of fun. Billy Corbin probably talked for three hours of the three and a half hour interview. He's so funny. And he just tells you story after story after story of things that are going on in Miami. Um, or have gone in the past, mob things, corrupt. He loves, he's like a truth seeker and a truth teller. So he just loves trying to, he goes to sometimes these city commission meetings or the mayor things and finding the corruption in the system. And Miami is just full of it at all levels. And so it's just sort of the way they do business down there. Well, because it's sort of not really like the United States in a lot of ways. It's yeah. when you go, here's another thing I like, and I like to travel internationally. We can't always just like, it's not that easy to travel internationally. Um, if you only got a couple of days, Miami makes me feel like I'm in a different country. When you walk on the sense. beach, you go to a restaurant, you hear European voices, South American voices, American, uh, you know, English um, but you hear languages from all people you can't tell. I have, hmm, what, what, what do you think that was? I think that was Scandinavia. And it did sound like it was German. Like you don't know because it's just this destination, uh, and mixed with that great weather. And, and I, I enjoy the food and, and, um, I know, hate the airport. To... Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's Miami airports. It's your, it's not like, uh, there's it's not so Moines, much walking. Yeah. It's a like, big airport. I mean, it's a huge international airport. It takes and, forever and, uh, to get from one gate to another think, in Miami. I, they don't I think, have... it was, I think it was built a long time ago, and then they just kept adding to it. And so you just uh, go further and further and further and further, you know. so That makes sense. Um, it was not busy. But, you know, there's also a certain time of year. Like, you know, people travel in the holidays. It's hard to travel in the holidays. Mid-January, there's nothing going on, right? That So it's actually 
very easy to walk into a restaurant and get a reservation or get a reservation or um, the hotel rates are, are cheaper. So like mid-January, late January for all the listeners out there, it's a great time uh, to travel, especially to, to Miami because all that spring break and these other things that have going on, it's like, it's like, it's like a, uh, the new year winter holiday. And then there's, you know, spring break and that spot in between is a great time to get down there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I've never spent time in Miami. I've, I've just flown through it on international flights whenever I'm going to South America or Mexico or, or a Caribbean like classic or something. That yeah. Jamaica team. yeah. Flown there. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, it seems like an awesome town though. All right. Let's well, talk if, a little football. If, if you go there, you go to Miami sometime, got, let me know. I'll, I'll send you some good, good spots. You've got people down there, right? Does Zach Thomas in here, buddy? Doesn't he still live down there? Yeah. He lives up by Fort Lauderdale. Um, okay. That's where Hassel's at. We got a whole group He's of people. Up, yeah, they're all. There's a lot of people more like north of Fort Lauderdale than down in Miami. The, the, I feel like the sort of like you know Brady Quinn lives in Fort Lauderdale. The sort of the football world. A lot of them sort of live up there. Uh, Miami's not for everybody, you know. So, yeah, um, it's it's a good. Yeah, but I have some some friends out there, some old friends, and some friends that I've met like since I got done playing football, and I wasn't there, but I've gotten met since just from going down there. So uh, it's enjoyable to. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm busy the whole time. All right, so you you did some good stuff on Brock Purdy. Man, that was over a month ago. Here he is with a guy who you know very well, Kyle Shanahan. Brock Purdy is, I don't want to say led San Francisco to the NFC Championship game, but he's certainly been an integral part of it when you're taking the snaps. Yeah. Did you think... You know, when he, let's say when Brock was 3-0 and with that team, did you think that this was possible? Are you surprised? Like, Give me your analysis on where the 49ers are. Just basically a three-point yeah. underdog to get to the Super Bowl. <clears throat> so it's interesting when people are saying, well, he's got the number one defense, which is true. Um, he's got great weapons around him, which is true. Yeah. He's got a great coach and play caller which is true that all is true he's still he's had game he's thrown for like 350 yards yeah that's incredible i i don't know if i have a, i had 12 starts i don't think i had a 300 yard game i may have had one um it's hard it's it's you know so it's not like they're not relying on him you know um his accuracy is phenomenal that, I think that's his best thing is he doesn't miss. He hits guys in the chest a lot. They do those slow motion replays and he hits Kittle over the middle and they're not up high and they're not down low. For the most part, they're just boom, right in his chest. And um, that's that's what always impressed me at Iowa State and that's what I'm, what I'm seeing now. But uh, I think he's playing great football. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I, I feel like I saw this when he was in Iowa State. I, I do. Um, when he was um, in Ames, he was in shotgun a lot, and they and he's in shotgun a lot now. Mm -hmm. But they get rid of the ball fast. Kyle, the NFL is a different game, and and so everything yeah. is get rid of the ball fast because those defenders. I mean, it's like two and a half seconds um, is like the the throw time and. In an NFL game now for for the for the guys who are getting rid of it and, and are good and and they get rid of the ball fast but they're these short under slants uh, a, a quick shallow uh, uh, um, a quick crossing route that is 
uh, gets it out of his hands fast. He got a great left tackle. But, you know, Brock is, is I feel like, making really good decisions. He's seeing the defense. Um, he's, he got really he, – he really did. I was on uh, – I was talking to Travis Hines today. He's writing an article for the Des Moines Register. And I don't know how, if you could draw up a better formula for him to have success, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Really, like, like luck. Like, like they're, I don't know what's luck, but, you know, I got to see him play for three and a half years and got to know him a little bit and worked with him a little bit when he was uh, in college. We, we had like one video session. And then for his agent to contact me and say, hey, we want to work with you and to have that film session. And for, for me, when I talk about football, I don't uh, to, to young to high school kids, college kids. I don't talk about Kevin Gilbride system. I don't talk about North Turner system. I talk about Brian Schottenheimer's system, my rookie year. I talk about Kyle Shanahan's system. Mm-hmm. And right now, that allows me, when I talk about his system and, and the Gary Kubiak system, when I watch film on him, but, but I know it, it gives the guys I work with a, a much bigger chance to then, I mean, I don't know, half the teams now are using a various, various forms of this system and the various wording um, and the various language, right? Um, the Rams, Green Bay, Atlanta, Miami, Seattle, um, Denver last year, of course. But all of these – and, there, and there's more. The Jets, um, who have a had a LeFleur, they let him go. But Because my job is to try to get them to make the team and have an opportunity. Well, if I can get them to learn the most common language over the what I look at as the best young coaches that are going to be around for a long time – that would give Brock the best opportunity, I think, to be successful. So for I, th- I think for him to hear those words from me and how I was saying double right close, and that's a nasty split, and this is an over front and an under front, and this is what they call this, and this is what they call this. But that, those, those are the words I use that Kyle Shanahan taught me. When a DB, ba- when I, a DB, when a DB bails, all right, you're, you're, you have a defensive yeah. back over a wide receiver, and he's the outside guy. And you see him sort of bump press and then bailing and then turning his hips and looking to everybody. You know, do you know, do you know what the DB is, is taught there? What the rule is? 21 man rule. Your job is to see all 21 men on the field. So you're going to open up your hips and you got to try to see everybody. That is your job. Very few quarterbacks get, get, get to like learn these, this defensive per, uh, terminology. Kyle Shanahan did it. He learned it from Monty Kiffin in Tampa. So when we would sit in our meetings, we would learn all this sort of like defensive terminology, what the defense is thinking, and, and even how their techniques are and what they're looking at, rather than just like, well, this is cover four and this is cover two and this is whatever. So I like to think that when we had those, those sessions of just talking ball for probably 15 hours, that when he went into those meetings, those quarterback combine meetings and then uh, whatever means he had, the various teams, you know, Brian Greasy played for Gary Kubiak mm-hmm. and Mike Shanahan. Yeah, this is all your tree. This is what's interesting. It's, it's wild. Yeah. It's sort of wild to me. Because um, I remember even like when we were just friends before Brock paid, played there, like you, you always talk about Kubiak and Shanahan. Yeah. Those are your guys. And now Brock I played for there. five, I played for five franchises. All right. When I was with Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, um, 
Matt LaFleur my last his my last year in Houston. Without a doubt, of the five in the 12 years I I played, the five teams, without a doubt, I felt the most comfortable. And I knew what the hell I was doing. And I had answers. And I uh, uh, it was things were sort of black and white. And I would get, get big completions. Um, and the, the bootleg stuff, which I loved at Iowa State. You remember me, you, you know, when you were a kid watching me, we ran a lot of bootlegs and, and damn it, Carney's. I just remember buttons. you handing it off. You didn't. Yeah, I, well, there's handoff. <laughs> and then after they've tackled Darren 15 times in a row, like, hey, maybe we should. Sprinkle a pass here. In a, a Eight yard line, dump to the tight end. Because yeah. if Sage, because if no one's open, maybe Sage can run it. He's not that good of a thrower. <laughs> so <laughs> he'll no, at least I, the football. We hope you know. Um, I just and, and, I've had an interesting just insight on it because I remember everything you've said and kind of taught me in our in our nights talking football, where I just kind of try and be a sponge and learn from you, and it just like. It, it kind of seems like it, it's fallen into place, like you said, like borderline luck for Brock to end up in this spot. So, because let me ask you this: let's let's put it another way. Um, a team that I love is the Minnesota Vikings. You have a deep history with that franchise. I know you watch them a lot. Uh, Kevin O'Connell system, everything going like how would Brock play for that franchise? How would would Brock? How would he be doing for the Bears? And, and the reason I say that is. I mean, a lot of times, like, fit is is a huge deal. Maybe if Carson Wentz is drafted somewhere else, he has a better career, right? Like, it, how much of that plays into it? And then Brock always has the ability – my analysis on him is I always thought he'd be George Niang because he's a great teammate, really smart, film room guy. Everybody loves him. He'll stick around for 10 years, even if it's an emergency quarterback or whatever. I always thought – now, Niang has exceeded that in the NBA because he's gotten better. But I, I don't know, like how much of this is the fit? Because now you're, the, especially Iowa fans, we are Iowa everywhere, like, liking to jab at Brock, like, oh, well, it's he's got Kittle and he's got McCaffrey and Dabo Sweet. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess what I'm looking at is like long-term for Brock. How do you see him fitting in in the league? I think he's going to play for 15 years. Yeah, that's what I like. For San Francisco, what does San Francisco do? Do you just at this guy? Even if he just gets you to the NFC title game, you can't really there's dump him. There's very right? few quarterbacks. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not 15. Maybe it is. But there's very few quarterbacks out there who have won seven games in a row. There's very few. In for any team in any system. Any team in any system in the history of the NFL. I don't know. You could probably, there, there might be twenty or thirty, but you know, um, it's hard to to win seven games in a row. <clears throat> There's a couple teams that do it. I think I think like three teams have won eight games in a row this year. Like the Eagles, um, obviously San Francisco. I think they've won eleven in a row or ten in a row <clears throat> or something like that. So I don't know what the numbers are, but uh, I, I think that this looks. Yeah, he can play in all these other systems. His accuracy is his accuracy. He's not just going to become inaccurate. If anything, I think he's, he's going to become a better thrower. I think he's become a stronger thrower and his arm strength will get stronger. Um, and it'll be a little bit less of the sort of the dink and the dunk and the things that they have him doing. But um, I just see him getting better and better. I think he's going to get better and better. He's his footwork is pretty dang good for a guy who didn't do a lot of play action stuff and they didn't do a lot of bootleg stuff um, at Iowa state. And, and he doesn't miss a lot of throws. 
that's the thing. If you if you don't miss a lot of throws and you're a good athlete, I mean, there's just not a lot of Kirk Cousins doesn't miss a, a ton of throws either, but but he's just not a good athlete. So like he might have a stronger arm, but he's not a good athlete. And so being a good athlete is, is a, it's a huge helper. It's a, it's a huge, huge um, help. So I, if, if Brock Purdy was in the 49ers or not the 49ers, the, the Vikings system, I think the Vikings would have been better. That's wow. what I think. I think the Vikings would have been better. Um, at the end of the game, that, in that last game that they, they lost, when push came to shove, the second to last drive, they threw, they, threw, they threw two screens. They didn't work. Screens are like the easiest pass play for a quarterback. So they're making you right. So they're protecting Cousins. And then the next series, and they go three down. The next series, on the two plays they needed it most, he wasn't as accurate as he needed to be. And on the final play, he needed to make a play. He needed to make a play. And it was, they, they ran the exact same coverage. And they doubled Jefferson and played man everywhere else. And the first one, he read it right, and the throw which would need to be in front of uh, uh, KJ Osborne, and, and it was right sort of on more almost on his chest, and the guy got a hand on it. But when when the, the guy you, you you snaps the ball, if they had the same route on both sides, he had Amphine on the left side. He's wide open. He's the one on one. They're run, They're running this coverage a lot. A lot of teams mm-hmm. when you have a star player. You know, there's there's four rushers. There's a free safety set. That's five. So you have six other guys to guard five. So you can double one of them, or just have one guy hang out in the middle and basically spy on any and breaking route. Right. That's sort of how like man to man coverage works. And they do a five man rush. It's five. It's straight up man to man. So right, things all change when you when you blitz somebody. So it becomes this like numbers game. And anyway, the play they had on. He, he gets the ball and he goes right to Jefferson, who's doubled. He has the one. So as a veteran quarterback, you have to you have to like pick the right side. You know, you have to find the one on one guy. And Jefferson, he could have thrown it to him and, and he would have had an opportunity to probably make that catch. But it would have been a, he would have been squeezed. It would have been doubled. He would have had to rain him off somebody and go over it. Yeah. But the other thing was that his tight end, um, Hawkinson, he chipped. He's chipping and just sort of running a, a check down route. All right. Well, that, that doesn't beat man-to-man coverage. It's fourth and eight. So if you're not going to throw it to Jefferson, you can't throw it to the guy who's just going to be guy hanging out right on him. Or he's just going to get tackled is what it was what happened. You have to make a play. Sometimes in football, the quarterback just has to make plays. And only so many can really do it. Right? Mahomes does it all the time. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen does it his fair share. But you have to you have to have the ability to it's fourth and eight. I'm not going to check it down to a guy who's completely covered <laughs> yeah. at two yards. Uh, and Brock can do that. That's, this is what I'm trying to say. Is Brock has that what Kirk Cousins and he, doesn't. And he has the and maybe some other squeeze. And he has in the guts and, to do it. Yeah. He has the guts to do it. And, um, you know, I'm, you know I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I'm excited for his career to see what happens. I don't know. Maybe he plays two years, you know, and that's the end of it. But I really doubt it. I, th- I think he's going to have a good run here. And he he put himself. He's in a great position. He's, um, you know, we'll see how he plays in this title game. But uh, holy cow, it's it's been quite the ride, I think, for for you know people from the state of Iowa and Iowa State, and of course Chandler, Arizona, down there to see this kid who's just so likable. Um, yeah. You know, he's he he, he just you don't he's he just not. Uh, 
he's such an easy guy to root for. And you can just tell the 49ers players love him. You can tell, you can tell that over there very right away. early on. Yeah. Like what yeah. they were saying. Brock and, has, I don't know if honestly, it's Honestly, the whole big cock Brock thing is a perfect example. Though. Like, they, like, it's funny, but, I mean, you've been in locker rooms, like, for them all to, if they didn't like him, if they didn't believe in him, they wouldn't be making those type of statements yeah. so early on. This as this yeah. wasn't after he was 7-0. Yeah. This was, he was, you know, he came out, and relieve Garoppolo, and then won his next game. And, you, like, you could tell and – and the other thing, too, is, like, if you look at – the Athletic did a really good piece on Shanahan and play calling with Garoppolo. Like, this is the same guy whose quarterback completed eight passes to go to the NFC Championship yeah. game like a year ago. Oh, right? by the like, way, by the way, so, so if you want to compare Garoppolo to Brock – all right, and we know Brock Lo, um, Garoppolo has some some twenty five million dollars seasons. I don't know how much money he has made, so I'm sort of put some perspective of where Brock's future may be. But Brock's a better thrower, more accurate than Garoppolo misses throws, and he's also not mobile at all. So who's the better quarterback? Right, Brock. Brock's a better quarterback in my opinion than than Jimmy Garoppolo. He he hits Garoppolo misses throws. And, uh, and um, again, more importantly, you just can't do almost anything with him in like the boot game or, you know, if, 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 if the, the play is broken down, he's not going to run around like Brock for five yards. He just isn't. And it's a, it's a huge helper to have a quarterback that can, can, can add that value uh, to the quarterback position. All right, hold that thought. I want to encourage everybody, if you're going to be betting on the games coming up this weekend, to download the Circus Sports Iowa app. Promise you, you won't regret it. Um, I people ask me, what do you mean, Williams, when you say you get better odds? I'll tell you why, because they're not going to rip you off on the juice. It's because you go to the other some of these other sports books. Oh, we've got all these promotions. Well, they're getting you back because they're trying to charge you one eighteen, right? Eighteen percent on your bet. You don't get that from Circa. I promise. Download the app. You won't regret it. If it's college basketball, you're betting on. If it's the NFL. Uh, and they're a great sponsor of what we're doing here at Iowa Everywhere. So I've been pounding this for five years now, Sage, and I just I feel like watching Brock and watching Jalen Hurts is a really good example that you can win in the NFL without the mega star quarterback. Like it, for the longest time, is oh you got to find your Mahomes, you got to find your Josh Allen, you got to find your Joe Burrow. In my whole thing, being a Vikings fan, I've I've always like, well, I don't trust my organization to find that guy. They're not going to. Maybe they, but they're they're not. So I'd rather, you know, if you can get that guy in the second round, like Jalen Hurts, or in this case Brock, and um, and you can get that rookie contract, or even like let's say. I have no idea if you could win with a Marcus Mariota $10 million a year as opposed to paying a guy like Kirk Cousins 35 or the better example, Dak Prescott making 40 We just saw him go up against Brock. Look at this roster you can put around him. So my question is, if you're Sage Rosenfels, general manager of an NFL team, um, I guess what would you rather have a Kirk Cousins at 35 where no. you know, like, oh, he's the 10th best guy. Or he's a, we know we're not going to be a no. quarterback. Okay. 
No, I, I, I want one, one of two things. I want, of course, Patrick Mahomes. That's who I want. That's really hard to do, yeah, is my point. Okay, so you're, you're looking for that or a Joe Burrow or you're looking for one of those five guys, I don't know, eight guys, whatever it might be. Um, Even Rodgers at this point in his career, I don't think he's worth it at this point. No, 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 he's not. But so, so anyway, so, so you're looking for that guy. If you don't have that guy, I'd rather go cheap and save the $30 million or $35 or $40 million and the salary cap and draft somebody in the second round, the third. I would draft a couple guys, second round, third round, fourth round, uh, uh, try to get guys in there, even first round. Even first round, first rounders are cheap compared to thirty-five and forty-five million dollars. Um, because there, because this, this this strategy is very, very real in the NFL. And I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I feel like uh, so many Super Bowls in a row, they've had a quarterback on his like rookie salary, uh, in in most of them on on one of the uh, rookie pay scale, yeah. you know, golf. Right. So, so, so there's this big advantage of having this um, Russell Wilson had that situation. Right. When, when Kaepernick, he was in that situation. When you have a cheap quarterback, right, you can increase your roster significantly better depth one, but also pay more superstars at other positions when you have that cheap quarterback. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about. Um, what capital you have and what resources you have. And if you can have a, 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 a good offensive coordinator, but build this awesome team around them, I think with a good coordinator, you can, you know, you'll, you'll be dominant on defense and you'll have these good other players on offense that that quarterback just has to get the ball to and sort of do his job and doesn't have to be a miracle worker. And I think that's where, you know, San Francisco is there. They still have sort of expensive quarterbacks. They have three, they have three in the roster, and, and Jimmy's not that cheap. But they're still cheaper than forty-five million. They might have, ha, you know, they're spending half of that. I'm not sure what Trey Lance is making, but Brock's like what nine hundred thousand or something. So San Francisco is is getting some of that. But I, I would love to go with trying to find some young guy and then build this roster around him. I, I wrote an article years ago when I first got out of the league, I was writing for a website called like the score. And um, it was during that sort of Kaepernick, uh, Russell Wilson era when it's yeah. like, man, two young guys. And, and it was always go get that veteran quarterback, go get that veteran quarterback. And, and rather than going, how about you go young and cheap and build your roster. And like, if you could, if you were a, a, a GM and just said, Hey, every year we're going to, we're just going to have young quarterbacks. We're just never going to pay them unless we actually get like that Patrick Mahomes or that guy who we think is significantly special, never pay. And we're just going to have like younger guys first, second, third year who are serviceable um, and they can sort of be interchangeable. But we're going to have a, a, a well-coached offense, but then have this loaded roster around them and just play that game. And then you hit on a Jalen Hurts or a guy like Goff who is good enough to get your team to the Super Bowl. And it, it you know, it's, it, it I, th- I think it's a, a lot of GMs think about that as to why I don't think it makes any sense for the Vikings to pay Kirk Cousins that much money. Um, I mean, if, if you looked at all the where all the quarterbacks are in the league and, and stats and, and sort of how good they are. Yeah, he's, his money is probably not that crazy because there's a lot of guys who are making more than him now at this point. But what's the point if you don't think he's going to be the guy to bring to the next level? 
and bring you to the Super Bowl. It's cool. been, you know, 10 years now and we it is what it is. Like, why not just get rid of that, that and, and, and get a, a younger, cheaper player and load up that team? Go get a whole bunch of defensive guys, free agency, start, you know, whatever it might be, um, but load up the rest of the roster and then go try to find a Brock Purdy out there. It's fascinating. All right, before we go, I do want to get your uh, quick analysis and picks on these two games. I'll be honest, I got onto Circa Sports Iowa Sunday night, immediately following that game. I bet the Eagles at one and a half, and then I actually got the Bengals as an underdog. Now they're a favorite. They're probably going to be a three-point favorite, I would guess, at a kickoff. I feel a little bit like I'm on the square side of, of that bet a little bit, but Sage, it's just from what you know about Mahomes' injury, it's just feels like the Bengals just are this, you know, they walk in and they're just dropping middle fingers to everybody and they like being on the road and they got the Chiefs number and now Mahomes is hobbled and they haven't exactly been by their standards, that impressive this year. I don't know. I just I well, feel the Bengals, like the Bengals, the second half of the year, have been one of the best teams in the league. And the Chiefs um, have not been impressive, is what the I Chiefs think. have not. And, yeah. and Mahomes, you know, there's Tom Brady hurts his ankle, and it's like, well, Tom Brady hurt his ankle, but like, what's the difference, right? Uh, you know, if Kirk Cousins hurts his ankle, as long as he can drop uh, and move around a little bit, that's as good as he normally is. Right. But when Pat Mahomes does it, they, they have so many plays in Kansas city that are off schedule that sometimes are big plays, but third downs and, and Mahomes' mobility is a huge asset to that football team. And that concerns me. And the fact that I, I do think the Bengals are an extremely hot football team. Um, they've got a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they've been there. I just love the way Burrow is playing. They've got you know three or four really good wide receivers in their running game, they, uh, defense. They they have all the elements um, to it, and I, and I think a really a really good head coach. And so I like uh, uh, Cincinnati in, in that football game. I want to say San Francisco is going to win this game, but man, Philly is really good. I they agree. are re- really good. Um, but they haven't been playing great late either. Uh, they had a couple of games at the end of the season that they lost. Uh, they played a Giants team, a, a, a win that they needed to get the number one seed, and they barely beat the Giants. And the Giants had played most of their backups in the game because they didn't need it in, in week, uh, I guess, 18, I guess they call it now. Um, so the Eagles have not been playing great football either. I, I do think Jalen Hurts is makes the Eagles a better football team. Uh, I think Good he's down. phenomenal. And um, But – I don't know. San Francisco's defense is really, really good. And uh, do you worry uh, about Brock in that environment at all? It's just it's different. You know, it's different than anything he's. But I feel like every week we're like, oh well, he hasn't played a defense like the Cowboys, and like, oh well, he's you know, he's got to go on the and, road and to Oakland. And they and the Cowboys defended him well. I mean, they yeah. didn't uh, score thirty-five points or anything. But um, Philly's got a good defense uh, playing in. I'm just like trying to imagine. I'm just trying to imagine as a rookie going to Philadelphia. <laughs> Those people are <laughs> at the championship horrible. game. Um, in that stadium, I was there earlier for, for that Vikings game this year, but just in that stadium, in that environment, in the cold weather, um, man, if, if, if he can, you know, Mike Silver's a friend of mine. I had him on the podcast and he yeah. read 
for the San Francisco Chronicle. So I said to him after week one, when Brock came, I said, he's going to win the Super Bowl and you're going to have to write another, write a book about him. Cause he wrote uh, Kurt Warner's book that became the American underdog movie. Yeah. So I, I, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if Brock can, can do that. But I mean, I, I don't know if there's a cooler place that as uh, a story, this sort of dream story continues to go to Philadelphia in the NFC championship game and win to go to the Super Bowl in his hometown. I mean, yeah. th- this, this feels as, as magical as, as, as the Kurt Warner story for sure. Kind of feels too. It's like, I don't know if, if San Francisco, whoever comes out, I, I, I don't feel like the Super Bowl is going to be a very big point spread either way. So it's kind of like, if you get there at worst case, it's like a toss up. Yeah. To win the damn thing for, these games, these games anymore. You remember back in the day, there used to be like blowouts. Every year, the Super Bowl was a blowout. Used to be like when I was a kid, I feel like I was like, oh, Broncos are playing somebody. Broncos got blown out. No one's even watching this. Those Cowboys half. teams would drop like fifty. Yeah. You know, like uh, uh, Steve Young and the, and the, they played the Chargers uh, Junior Seau's <laughs> for the first yeah. Super Bowl, and, and they had they dropped. I don't know what was um, how many points in that in that game. So. Um, but these games now, it seems like are are usually not not those divisional games. Sometimes you get a blowout, and there were some blowouts in, in those games. You know, some teams are completely exhausted; they barely got into the playoffs. They get a wild card win, like Jacksonville, um, and, and there's just like nothing left in the tank. You know, um, but these championship games have generally been unless the Vikings are in them. But generally, uh, re- why <laughs> really, <laughs> really close. Um, and I would think with San Francisco doesn't even hurt me anymore. I would, I would think with San Francisco's defense uh, that this game will be close to. I hope so. I, I the Aaron at Circa texted me something like it's it's been like twenty years or something like that since both AFC and NFC championship games. The favorite it's smaller than a field goal or something like yeah. that. And and it's been crazy because of the Mahomes injury to watch that line. There were some books that opened with the Bengals as a three-point underdog, and they're probably going to close as a three-point favorite. That's a six-point swing for an NFL championship game, which is crazy. It's a very very valuable angle. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to be on the right side of that. And even if I lose the bet, it's like, okay. But I would be so pissed at myself if I'm putting my money on Mahomes' ankle and he can't roll out, he can't run, he can't do anything. Yeah, he was literally hopping around on one leg. Yeah, in the second, and that's Jacksonville. Like this, this and that's Jacksonville, and that's Bengals are a different deal. Uh, yeah, a team that you know, some barely got to the playoffs, and you know, you just you're just worn out, and the other team's on you know on a bye. It's not really a fair game. Um, and and Kansas City, of course, of course, won that one. It was just a better football team. But Mahomes' ankle made a big, big difference in that game, and I'm sure he'll be healthier, but. That was a bad injury, and those high ankle sprains—they um, they basically sort of almost cast up your leg sometimes, uh, you know. And so you just you just don't have the mobility um, that you had before, uh, even if even if it didn't hurt, you know, which you probably won't feel anything, uh, whatever whatever it's going to take to to get rid wow. of that pain. But your your leg, your your foot, your ankle—it just won't work. It just won't work, no matter what you you feel it or not. So that's my concern: is his his mobility is so important to to his quarterback play. We'll see. Uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I hope that your 15-year Brock Purdy prediction is spot on. Wouldn't it be nice? 
Well, it's just, and it makes Sunday so much more fun when you have that. It's like having another favorite team, you know? Like I told our staff, it's Cyclone Fanatic. I'm like, we need to cover this like it's an Iowa State game. People are that into it. I mean, it's interesting, you know, I feel like when like David Montgomery went to the Bears and it's like you sort of become a little bit of Bears fan because, you know, he was – uh, it, it's it's different when it's a running back or a quarterback or, or something. Yeah, like the ball. Marking yeah. player. Brees Young this year, I think a lot of Iowa people are like, well, let's watch those Jets games. And and Iowa State fans are so good with that. You had Iowa State fans watching Tyrese Halliburton yeah. playing the NBA and these guys that aren't playing for local teams just because they love the players so much uh, when, when they are names and they, they follow them into their, their, their NFL career because – you know, there's not there's not ten of them every year, like in Alabama or or Ohio State or something like that. So even I, Iowa I fans like it get like they had so many pros for so long, it got hard to follow yeah. them all, which is a good problem. Yeah, like <laughs> we every, we uh, haven't had that luxury. We, we, we had you had and that. Seneca, and it was like in Jordan Karstens for a while, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you know Reggie Hayward and yeah Reggie and, Hayward. Uh, yep. James Reed had a great career, but yeah, there there were guys that didn't play for for super long, but we also didn't have guys who were rookie of the year candidates, you know, and, and things like that. So in theory, I was could have had two finalists probably would have if Brees wouldn't have gotten hurt, which is just crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely crazy. And then it was nice to see, um, uh, the tight end, Color. uh, Call it get in at the end of the season. It yep. sounded like he was injured a lot of the year, but got in at the end of the, the year and, and, and made a few made a few catches. So it's nice to have some tape that rookie year and have some success and get into that offseason, get healthy, and, and go into that sophomore year. That's going to be a big year for him. All right, brother. Uh, we'll do something before the Super Bowl again, I'm sure, and then we, we'll have an announcement coming up about your show here in the next right. week or so. Looking Sounds forward good. to it. Uh, thanks good. to Sage Rosenfels. Uh, we will be back. We've got two guys named Chris coming up tomorrow morning at 8.30. I know Jordan and J-Bo have another – not Jordan and J-Bo. That would be Jared and J-Bo. They've got another show coming up this week where they will do reaction to Iowa State's win last night over Kansas State. Iowa with the road trip to Michigan State. we got a lot going on here at Iowa Everywhere. Thanks for listening, guys. Iowa Everywhere.